Blog Talk Radio. How I wish that there were more than the 24 hours in the day. Even if there were 40 more, I wouldn't sleep a minute away. Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel. A fortune won and lost on every deal. All you need is strong heart and a nerve steel. Viva Las Vegas! Viva! Welcome everybody to another episode of Viva Las Vegas here. On a beautiful Thursday night, we've got some great action going on. We've got game four of the Capitals Lightning, a nail-biter happening here that we're keeping an eye on. We've got a, a two-run game going on with the Rangers and White Sox. Tons of action happening. As always, I'm your host, Blackjack Fletcher, and we are joined by our great friend from SBR, the big man on campus. Jeff, how are you doing tonight, brother? Pretty good. How are you, pal? I'm fantastic. Fantastic. Couldn't be better. Yeah, watching uh, this hockey game, it is a nail butter. That's a great point by you. Uh, two, two, eight fifty, you know, eight minutes to go or so. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I know you're on Washington Blackjack. You, you three two. Pull this out? The Lightning three. just scored as you were speaking. Oh, no. Three two. They slip one by Hopi, and I got to tell you, Jeff, if the Capitals find a way to lose this game, and there's still eight minutes to go, so there's plenty of time. But if they find a way to lose this game, they are in a real bad spot in this series, brother. I mean, go up 2 nothing on the road, and then you go home and drop two in a row, heading back to Tampa for game five? I don't like those odds. Yeah, you're going to start hearing the whole, oh, here we go again with the Capitals. I mean, I know they got to the finals and everything, but, um, you know, the, the, listen, Blackjack, I don't know if you know, but you, you don't win the Stanley Cup if you win the Eastern Conference or, or whatever. Uh, you, you got to get to the you got to get to the Stanley Cup and win. If you don't get there, it's a failure. Uh, this team is expected to win. They're a good hockey team. They expect to win. And yeah, I mean, you go up two nothing. Uh, you should find a way to to win the series. Yeah, you're you're right. They got to find a way here. And, and you know, Jeff, the thing was, the first two games they dominated. I mean, they they controlled those two games from the jump. The the Tampa wasn't in those games. I mean, Washington just controlled them. And now. Listen, I, you kind of understand Tampa coming back and winning game three. I mean, I understand that. They're a good team. You know, you don't think they're going to get swept in the conference finals. But this is a game where the Capitals needed to come out and play with some urgency, and I'm just not seeing it. I mean, I, you see it in waves from the Capitals. Like, you don't, you don't see it consistently. And that, to me, is the difference between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference in the NHL. That's why I've, I've long said whoever wins that Western Conference series, be it Vegas or Winnipeg, is going to win the Stanley Cup because you watch those two teams play, and that thing is, is just a 60-minute you know, you know, rocket ride. Th- these games are not the same way. The intensity is not there sustained in the Eastern Conference with these teams. I, I think the teams out West are, are hands down the better clubs. Yeah, and I mean, I guess there was a little bit of, of of excitement with them when they went up two nothing, or you know, two nothing. You know, you gotta you know, maybe rest in your laurels a little bit. You gotta find a way to win these games. I mean, uh, and keep it moving and, and and get through the series. But yeah, I mean, I, I obviously we have we're, we're very excited about Vegas. Hopefully, they can keep it going. They get the win last night, a very solid win. I'll tell you what, uh, it was difficult. Flurry was very good though. I was able to figure it out That's and uh, make some great saves, and they uh, they go up two one. I'm telling you, Blackjack, they're going to win tomorrow night. They're going to have a chance to to win this series as they head back to uh, 
to uh, Winnipeg. So listen, brother, I, I'd love nothing more than for them to win tomorrow night. You know, I'm going to be on them. I'm on them every game. Uh, last night we managed to hit them three times in the same game. I don't think I've ever done that before. Had three wins in in one game. You know what? That's uh, called we, we hit, the good old trifecta. I hit. I like to do those in uh, college football once in a while. You know, hit so, the over, the team total over, and the side. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, man. I mean, in, you know, in a, in a conference finals game, I think that's fairly rare. And, you know, we had Vegas, the team total over, and the over, uh, which hit with 2.7 seconds left. Thank you, Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah, that's um, – uh, that, did, that. that did you catch Marchessault's Lamborghini that he drove to the stadium yesterday? Yeah, it's like yeah, in uh, it's gold and light colors, right? He's got a silver Lamborghini that he drove into the T-Mobile Arena, and on the door he had painted Vegas Born with the logo of the okay. team on it. I could have sworn it was something like that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, he's obviously a big fan of his club. You don't see that much. Usually, you just kind of play and you kind of hope you win, and you don't really have any reason to, you know, root for the team. They yeah. cut your checks, and, and that's it. But no, that's yeah, pretty cool. I think those guys kind of have a kind of have a different bond, you know, because they're all sort of cast off. You know what I mean? Like they all were were with teams that didn't want them enough to protect them, and now they came to Las Vegas, and nobody really expected much out of them, and now here they are, two wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final in their first year in existence. Yeah, I saw. Um, I'm trying to think of what book it is. There's a book offering. Uh, you can bet them to win the title, and you bet justify to win the triple crown i think it's paying like six to one or so uh, <laughs> i'm trying to remember what book it is I, I i saw it was like a prop they're offering i want to say one of the internet books but uh either way uh, it is an interesting story and it's one that we're going to be heavily interested in blackjack's been rooting them in all year i have a future on them i'm not hedging either uh, uh i don't know maybe i will but uh either way we'll see how yeah. it goes yeah. obviously no, you're not going to hedge you can't hedging is for people that uh, but again, it's thirty to one. It's not like it's like six to one or seven to one or something like that. But we'll see. We'll talk about it. If I was going to hedge this, I would have hedged it with Winnipeg. I wouldn't hedge it with an Eastern Conference team. See, but I, I'm sorry, I, I don't think either one of these teams can hang. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and, and I might just let it ride. You know, we'll see. I'll talk it out as we get closer. But uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you tonight on the show nine one seven eight eight nine thirty two ninety. We got plenty to talk about. We can really go wherever you guys want tonight. Plenty of baseball going on. Uh, it's been a weird week for baseball. A lot of rainouts. Seems like every night the cards like six or seven uh, games. Uh, it's very odd. Uh, but uh, either way, uh, you had some games that went on already. Um, you know, we'll talk that. You know, we want to talk NBA draft lottery. Feel free to call. I've completed my mock draft. I have every player sixty picks. Um, very, very interested. But you, you know, I'm a big college basketball guy. So this is like. This is like my my thing here. So um, if you have a question on that, we can talk about that. Luka Doncic, will he come over? Is that just him talking? I don't think it's any any reason yeah, to worry. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, which which we can talk about that. We can talk hockey, football, uh, whatever you want. Nine one seven eight eight nine thirty two ninety. Blackjack Southtown one hundred and one. It's a great bar and grill down in San Antonio. If you're ever in the area, uh, please check it out. Great place to go and visit. If you want to check out some history, see a nice town, enjoy some nice weather. Texas is great. Blackjack had a nice time there. We all had a nice time there. Especially if you're in a, like you're kind of the you know I'm not saying country, but like the, the the old west, the western country western kind of stuff. A lot of cool places to go around there if you're interested in that. And San Antonio is a really nice town. Great food, great uh, people. But Southtown 101, the best food in the city. Great breakfast, beer. 
burgers. Go see our friend Jeff Slaughter if you're ever in San Antonio. They do sponsor the phone line, 917-889-3290. And we are presented by the great folks at the Action Network. Uh, Blackjack's putting out some great stuff there. Also, Royal Wedding. I know you did some hard work on I'm that. All I will say, Royal Wedding. <laughs> I will say this, though. It is an utter shame that they're spending over $40 million on it. You have people that have no homes because of a fire, uh, yet uh, they spend $40 million on a wedding. But uh, I've actually seen Blackjack. I don't know if you're reading about this. There's actually like petitions right now to get the monarchy thrown out. Like it's, they don't want it anymore. Yeah, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I, I, At the end of the day, stuff like this happens, I feel like, once every decade or so. You'll see a poll come out in a British paper or something. But then push comes to shove. You know what? The Brits like their monarchy. They like their history. And I don't blame them. If I were them, I'd like it too. Screw it. Nobody else has what we have. To hell with that. I cut it out. Enjoy it. Uh, Dodgers win 7 nothing today. What a bad beat if you had the over in this game. 7 nothing. Uh, they score seven runs in the first three innings, and no one scores for the rest of the game. Get a win. Yeah, they Good get a them. win, but this is a tough beat if you had the over. I really was. I mean, Mommy has four hits. Uh, just can't get anything going. And, you know, Justin Turner with a big game. You needed him back. They need a lot more help, but Justin Turner is a nice start. So, no, they do stink. No, you're totally right. Uh, let's uh, start with some phone calls here. We'll go really wherever you guys want. We got NBA. Uh, another, you know, look, the NBA scheduling sucks. We all know it. Uh, oh we don't have God. more games until – yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, uh, we don't have more that games. That is such a good point you just brought up. On uh, you know people people are always comparing the NBA and the NHL playoffs because they go on at the same time and I'm sorry for my money the NHL playoffs are far more interesting than the NBA scheduling is abominable I mean how do you go days without games it, it, it's it's atrocious why do you schedule the NBA finals in advance when you don't know how long the series are going to take what is the purpose in doing that you're gonna tell me that 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 ABC is not going to cover the NBA Finals if they're on a different day than you anticipated? Of course they are. It's just stupid. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird scheduling like, all around. I mean, like last week you have a game where you could have put it on Saturday night or Sunday night, but you choose to put it on in the middle of the afternoon on Mother's Day. I mean, yep. I mean, what, what, did, yep. what was the scheduling conflict? Did you, you didn't want to interfere with MLS or something uh, at night? I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's it doesn't just make any shit. sense. None of it does. None of it uh, does. I mean, why, why – are there four days between games two and three in the Western Conference? Four days? That's no, not no the regular season scheduling. That's absurd. Agreed. No, I totally agree. Uh, let's hit the phone lines here. We'll talk to our first call of the night. Uh, caller, you're up. What's happening? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Coach here. What's up, man? What's up, Coach? What's going on? Um, do you think this is a buy-low point for the Dodgers? No, no, I wouldn't buy them at all. They're terrible. Yeah, I don't think not a lot to like about them. Fact, I'll tell you this, Coach. I had this conversation with someone yesterday. If I were the LA Dodgers, I, this thing's not going to work, man. It's not going to work. All right. You went to the World Series last year. You lost in seven games. You've taken a significant step backwards. Clayton Kershaw and I said this beginning jumped all over me. Clayton Kershaw. Some kind of a backward step. He's over 30 years old now. What is he, 31? Pitchers don't last forever anymore. They don't. If I were the L.A. Dodgers, I'd say exactly what I would do. I would call the New York Yankees. I'd call the Boston Red Sox. I'd see if anyone wanted Clayton Kershaw for the rest of the year. That's what I would do. 
and I would try to reload younger players and rebuild this thing because they do have some young talent. But the way it's presently constructed, it's not going to work. And let's be real here, Coach. What's the alternative? You're going to re-sign Kershaw for what? Five years and $200 million after this season? It's not working, man. You're not winning. They failed considerably. They failed considerably with Kate Kershaw as well. He's been a great pitcher for them, but now look, he's completely blown out because you made him pitch so many innings in his first, what is it, you know, years, you know, you know, in the league. I mean, now you look at how they're pitching. Dave Roberts is so scared to let people pitch past the fifth inning. I mean, he has guys literally being removed every year in, in, yep. in no hitters because he doesn't want to pitch them long. He's running scared now. You look at their lineup, okay, coach. Look at last year how many games they won from being down. I mean, they were lucky. They just were. They had a great bullpen. Their bullpen this year stinks. Um, Bellinger's not played. He's been benched at times this year. Chris Taylor's back to hitting in the 230s. Jock Peterson's never uh, been made into anything. Puig is uh, one of the more overrated players. He never really matriculated into much. Chase Utley's 40 years old. Um, You you just don't have very much. You're dealing with – you're hoping for Justin Turner and people like that. And you're right, Jeff, and that's why I'm telling you what I would do is I would call the Yankees and the Red Sox two teams that are kind of on the cusp, two teams that are going to do battle with each other. They're going to have to deal with the Astros at some point whose pitching is outstanding. And I would call the Yankees, and I would say the conversation starts at Justice Sheffield and Glybar Torres. Let's go from there. And you can have Clayton Kershaw for the rest of the year. Do what you want after that. But if the Yankees or the Red Sox were to add a guy like Kershaw to their rotation, it makes them – right there with the Astros as American League favorites. Yeah, because, you know, last year I thought that their lineup was, like, pretty fragile. And then going into this year, I had some, you know, just thoughts that maybe this is the year Kershaw was going to come down a little bit. So I did a future on Arizona, and then I've been betting against the Dodgers. But I'm starting to think that this has got to be the bottom at some point. But, you know, there's no – I don't have any – numbers or anything to back that but you know they're, Listen, they're tied so you're, with Miami you're not wrong. At, some point, at some point if you keep trotting a team out and they just don't get it done you have to reevaluate and say are we really going to re-up with this thing or are we going to break it up a great example of that is the LA Clippers the LA Clippers had Blake Griffin they have DeAndre Jordan who I, I'm not anticipating they're going to re-sign they had all these guys and they looked at it and said you know what we're not winning anything it's time to blow it up and try a different way. And that's what you got to do sometimes. Sometimes you got to bite the bullet and say, this just isn't going to be enough. And as good as Kershaw's been, and don't get me wrong, you could make the argument Clayton Kershaw's been the best pitcher over the last decade of the last 50 years. Okay, that, that argument is there to be made. You're not winning a World Series. You don't have enough around him. You had your shot last year. You didn't get it. Now it's clear the team's taking a step back. Kershaw's getting older. He's in a walk year. What are you going to do, man? Are you really going to pay this guy that kind of money and commit five more years to him at a minimum? I can't see it if you're the L.A. Dodgers. I would rather move him and get a haul back, which you will still get because he is Clayton Kershaw. And let's be honest, the Yankees and Red Sox, the reason I mention those teams is because they're in a dogfight for that AL East title this year. It's going to go on all summer. If either one of them added him to their rotation – and now if you're the Red Sox, you can go Sale, Kershaw. The Yankees can go Severino, Kershaw. You're probably going to win that division. You escape the wild card game. You set yourself up in a position to be successful in the postseason. 
I think if you're the Dodgers, you got to consider it. They probably won't, but it's what I would do if I were them. Yeah. And then, um, hey, Jeff, Yo. I'm all in on Brazil for this World Cup. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they're completely oh, hear, stacked. Hear me out. Yeah. Hear me out. So when it's in South America, South American team wins. When it's in Europe, a European team wins. It's in Russia. So, you know, I'm not saying Russia's going to win, but I've looked into it. Brazil has a ton of players that play in that Russian league. Um, I think yeah, keep in mind, those players aren't going to aren't going to get much time. I mean, the, the, this I, team is. I also don't. This, I mean, coach, and, and I'm far from a soccer expert. And Jeff, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't know that that geography holds. Because it was in Brazil four years ago, which was the first time it was in South America, and we had Germany win, did we not? Uh, correct. Uh, yeah, keep in mind, I, 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 Russia's not even going to get out of their group, let alone win. Uh, for, if you're actually, uh, the, I think one of the best bets you can make on this World Cup is Russia will not advance uh, in their group. Um, they're they're laid really high. I, I don't know why people are so high on Russia. I guess people think they're going to collude and find ways to fix their matches. But I like Brazil a lot, uh, Coach. I, I think they're the best team. I mean, their their front. Their front three is sick uh, with Coutinho and Neymar and, and all these. I'm just I, – I, I can't even go into how many great players they have. They're, they're just sick. Uh, yeah, I have them at 5-1. I, I think they're the best team in the, in the tournament. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, you know, I couldn't put my finger on who I wanted to go. And then recently I've just been Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. Um, side note, that royal wedding, I think like $37 million of it is for security. Uh, yeah, probably. Th- that's that's where the bulk of the money comes from. I think the wedding itself is around two or three million. And listen, coach, I'm all over the royal wedding. I've got prop bets. I've got an article on the Action Network right now with prop bets all over the place. So I am all over this royal hey. wedding. Now, who's paying for that thirty-seven million? I, you know, what's that, coach? I don't know if it comes. From, well, I don't know if the thirty-seven million comes from taxpayers. I would or imagine it's from royal family you know, pays for it. Yeah, uh, they don't. Um, they don't receive a ton of funding from taxpayers. Yeah. And then Blackjack, um, check out. I just I just got out of a concert actually. I saw this band called uh, Elvana. You ever heard of them? It's a no, Elvis frontman. Elvis frontman Nirvana <laughs> cover band, and they are <laughs> glorious. <laughs> I'm gonna check it out. I mean, it sounds entertaining. I'm gonna I check was, it out. I was in tears when he. I don't know. If you ever heard, I was in tears when he was playing the song "Rape Me." I mean, I like I was. It was a great concert, but like I was also laughing a lot. Uh, but yeah, check him out. Uh, he's on tour right now, but yeah, it's a wild scene. All right, guys, appreciate it, and uh, have a good weekend. Another Thanks, ugly coach. beat in the NHL here. Um, two seconds left. Yep. Tampa Bay scores. <laughs> Brutal beat, man. If you had the under or the yep. puck line, I mean, that's just sick. Um, these, these beats in the NHL are brutal, man. Um, let's, uh, so there we go. That's two, two, uh, as we uh, head back to Tampa, they're in a little trouble, the caps, uh, let's, uh, keep it moving here. Caller, you are up. Hey, big man. It's Jay bird. What's up Jay bird. <laughs> Not much. I was, I was just watching that game. Actually went over with a second and a half left. I think that happened in the Vegas game last night as well, it did, did it not? Yeah. It did, yeah. Yep, it did. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Um, I actually had Washington in this 
I, I have Washington in the series, but I felt like a genius after two games, and now I'm uh, now I'm uh, not, not back to excited, <laughs> as much as my genius statement here earlier. I did have a question for you though. Um, okay. I, I know you said you you don't hedge. I'm just again just curious as to why if you have a thirty to one, you wouldn't well, even I, get off the. God. Well, I'm not saying I won't hedge. I'm not a big fan of hedging. I'm not in this business mm-hmm. to to break even. I'm in it to make money, uh, and Absolutely. that's how you make big scores. Um, and like Blackjack said, I mean, sometimes. Like, if I look at a, an opponent, I say, well, I think – like, if I have the Warriors and, like, I look at the series and I don't think the other team can beat them, I don't really worry about it. And I do think he's right along the lines of, like, I don't think either East their conference team is going to beat Vegas in a in a series. So, I don't know. I might. I mean, at 30 to 1, it's pretty big. I try to stay – if it's, like, above 10 to 1, I'll consider it. Um, like, I've had – you know, I've had some pretty good ones, but – I don't know. I mean, like I had a thirteen to one future that there'd be a winless NFL team, and and I hedged on that one. You know, I, there are certain ones I will. Um, that was a basically a replacement game. You know, not a Pittsburgh starters played in that game, so I kind of felt like I had to. Didn't really matter though. We'll see. I'll talk it over. We'll see. But I do agree with Blackjack, and I I kind of anchor his you know what he says on hockey a lot of the time. So we'll see. Maybe I will, but um, I kind of just want to let it yeah. ride. You know. And- and Jaybird, if you were going to hedge this thing, the the way to hedge it would be with Winnipeg, because I, I just right, I agree. I think we're looking okay. at a situation where whether it's Tampa, whether it's Washington, I don't care who it is, I don't think anyone that comes out of the East is winning the Stanley Cup this year. I mean, I'm sorry if you if you watch these games between Vegas and Winnipeg, these teams are playing at a whole other level. I mean, they they are they are digging deep, man. Vegas also rolls four lines deep, which tends to wear teams down over the course of a series. You know, Winnipeg has just so much talent offensively, and Bufflin is a beast to have to deal with, uh, you know, uh, on the ice. So if you were going to hedge this thing, I would say the, the way to hedge it is with Winnipeg, not not in terms of it, whoever comes out of the West is going to win the Stanley Cup. And also, Jaybird, I, I have a future with uh, like Liverpool to win the Champions League. I'm definitely going to bet Real Madrid. I mean, I don't – I don't think Liverpool can beat Real Madrid. So it's like I got myself into the dance. Um, now, you know, instead of worried about dancing and embarrassing myself, I'm just going to get out of it and have fun and stand on the sidelines. I'm going to make sure. money regardless. Um, and right. and that'll be that'll be where I'm looking to be. So I guess it's kind of like a situation by situation. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah, very much. Got it. Uh, I did have – what was another question? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but these people that like hedging like four to one bets, it's like, no, I mean, what are you no, doing? Trying no, to break would, even? Make a unit? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to make money, man. Like, no, no, I'm not trying to cut you off. I just figured a thirty to one, maybe. A, oh, sure. Put a couple yeah. units on the other side. That, that was the only question. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I, definitely, I definitely will probably consider it. Um, not I mean, switching sports a little bit. Just wanted to have a get your take on. I mean, I know Cleveland's a horrible home favorite. And, they haven't looked good. I'm just wondering. Didn't I think that line came down a full point? I was just wondering your thoughts were on that on that uh, game tomorrow yeah, night. I think they're five and a half. I mean, I mean the they Cavs win one game as a home favorite in these playoffs, and that was a, yeah. a blowout to Toronto. I mean, I don't understand how this line opened up six and a half points. I mean, I took it right away at six and a half because I don't want it to move. And they defy. I, I don't, I don't they know. defy everything generally. It really doesn't matter what line is. They don't cover. I, I, I listen. If that line was two and a half, I'd probably stay away from it. But 
six and a half points. You're going to give me the Boston Celtics <laughs> and six and a half points against the Cavs team that was the worst ATS team in the NBA this season. The worst. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't think it's a close call. I think you take the points. No, I mean I agree with you. I just I didn't understand it at all. Like I, I was looking at the line. I saw it come down a full point, and I was just curious about why. Like you said, why even open up at that number? I mean, I a watched lot every of, game, and a uh, lot of dogs have been cashing like in these later rounds. I mean, look at some of those big numbers they were putting up with the Pelicans and the Warriors yep. and Houston and the Jazz. And they, there's been a lot of dogs covering, and Cleveland's not covering. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get the line at all. It doesn't make any sense. You know what I think is happening a little bit, Jay Bird and Jeff, and this is kind of something I've thought about over the last few days, because when I was in Vegas last week, I talked to three different bookmakers, and they all kind of said the same thing with regards to to the betting public, and that's that the betting public is a lot smarter now than they've ever been. They have access to a lot more information. They have access to a lot more things, and there's just a lot more information out there. And I kind of think to myself, and maybe I'm totally off base here, but I kind of think to myself that that these books do this stuff intentionally sometimes because their goal is equal money on both sides, right? That's what they want to have happen so that they are sure to winner. And that doesn't happen very often, but I think sometimes they set these lines like this so your your betters will look at it and say, wow, they're begging me to take the Celtics. I'm going to take the Cavaliers. You know what I mean? It's it's almost yeah, it's almost reverse psychology in a way that like they put a line out that looks so ridiculous to the casual better that you're like there's no way why are they doing this but, they must do it for a reason so I'm going to take Cleveland. But here's why I think and if if I think you take Boston here you have to take Boston here. You look at the line it opened six and a half. 70% of the sides on the Celtics lines went down. That makes sense. If this line would have went up to seven or something and just stayed at seven, it'd have been a, I think it's a sharp square divide there. It's total pro Joe game. You know, this line's moved the right way. I would be on the Celtics. And, and listen, if you, this is kind of like the Warriors when they're getting points. If the Cavs cover this game, you know, you say, okay, yeah, you so we'll, that's it. Cheers. You know, I, I made the right bet. I mean, I'm not laying, Seven, six and a half points with the Cavs. Just not doing it. They're one of the worst favorite teams I've ever seen. I mean, they're really horrendous. And like you said, on top of everything, taking I guess taking the being the favorite team, they're not. They don't play defense either. They're it's they're brutal to watch. So, right, exactly. Well, guys, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Jaber. Take it thanks, easy. Thanks, Jaber. Have a great night. Bye, guys. Um. Blackjack, a couple of updates and scores here in baseball. Uh, it is uh, one nothing out in Seattle. Uh, they're up uh, on the Detroit Tigers. I do have an overplay in this game. Uh, Matthew Boyd against Marco Gonzalez. I do have the Rockies tonight as well. They're up 3 nothing. How about that? Jeff Samarja blows. Uh, Blackjack, this to me was the best play on the board tonight. Colorado absolutely slams Zamarja. Chad Bettis has been absolutely terrific on the road this year. Uh, Jeff Samar just might be time to move on. He's he's not any good anymore. Um, yeah, I'd say let's uh, let's give it. Let's answer this call back, Jake. This is a concern to me. This guy's in Alberta. Um, I had a little problem the other day with some pranksters calling me. Uh, new number here. Let's hope we can get off on the right foot with this caller. Uh, caller, you're live. What's up, gentlemen? How you doing? Good. What's your how name? you doing, brother? 
Hey man, this is CP. I got a question for you guys. Um, so right. I think we're all kind of rolling under the assumption that, um, you know, sports betting is going to be legal in the U S here soon. I mean, it kind of is now. Mm-hmm. So as sort of Thunderdome opens up in the U S and everyone's betting, uh, and it's, it's legal. How does this change the industry and how do you exploit this as a better to, uh, yeah. to win? What do you guys think? Well, you know, uh, you, you make a really interesting point here and, and, uh, I think it's going to unfold very differently than a lot of people think. I think when that decision came down, most people, what they heard is, oh, sports gambling is legal in the United States now. Well, no, it's not. The the states now have the right to legalize it should they choose to. And every state's going to be different. Which they will. And and every state – well, not every state will. I mean, uh, listen, brother, there's a lot of states – there's a lot of states in this country that will not legalize this. There there just are. There there are are states that that have – electorates that won't go for it. It's the same battle we have down here with, with legalizing marijuana. There are some states that just are not going to go for it. You, you know, I, you're up in Alberta, my man. I, I don't know if you realize, but there are still some states in this country that don't have lotteries. There are still some states here that, are, that have dry counties in them. I mean, this is not – it's not going to be nationwide. I think a lot of states will. But I also think that there are going to be some states that get it right and set up systems that work. And there are going to be some states that screw this thing up monumentally, and it's just not going to last because the, the margin on sports books is very slim. It is not what it is in casino gambling. It's slim. And if you tax the hell out of this or you put regulations that don't work, you're not going to make money. And if you don't make money, you, you, you know these states are going to charge massive licensing fees to get sports books. I mean, it's not going to be something – where you or I could go and, and get a corner bar and put a sports book in it. It's going to be a massive fee. And you got to be able to make money at the end of the day. So I, I am curious to see how it's going to play out. I think the biggest outcome is that the states that do legalize it will have access to a lot of these apps that are out there. And, and if you've been to Las Vegas, you're going to start to see it in New Jersey almost immediately. You'll see it in Pennsylvania and Delaware almost immediately. You know, every major book in Vegas, whether it's Caesars, MGM, William Hill, South Point, they all have apps that you can bet, and they have, you know, geolocators in them. So if you're anywhere in the state of Nevada, you can make a bet, and you can cash out whenever you want, and that's how you do it. And I think that is going to be how more and more people bet rather than going to a physical book because it's cheaper and it's more effective for the states to do that way. Okay, so so knowing all that, does that change how you bet at all or, or how you look at bets as, as the public jumps in in that direction? No, I mean, I don't think so unless we're talking about there. Uh, I mean, there's the potential for certain states to, to, you know, have lines that are more juiced than others. I suppose that's a possibility. If that happens, then yeah, you'll have to consider how you make your bet. But I think the reality is most, most bettors are going to be willing to lay an extra nickel. Uh, in order to cash out whenever they want and have it be secure. I don't know whether that's something if you're a a high-level player you're going to want to do, but I I think that that may be the only outcome you see. And I don't know for sure whether that's going to happen. Again, every state will be different, but I think that's the only thing you might see is you might see juice be a little higher in some places. All right. Cool. Uh, What do you think, Jeff? Same, Same opinion? Uh, as far as the way I bet, um, I definitely will bet a bit differently. I mean, I, I, I've made it clear. I go to Atlantic city a lot. I'll definitely, every night I go over there, bet, you know, put up my, you know, wagers down, you know, you'll be able to have 
you know, accounts, there'll be super contests and things like that, where, you know, I've never been to Vegas. Now I won't have the need to have to go to Vegas. And yeah, I definitely think it'll change the way. Well, I completely stop betting certain ways that I bet. No. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely will become a lot more involved with, you know, I think it will be cool to not have to you know, go through hoops to get paid from an online book or, you know, listen, at any point, if you're dealing with a local bookmaker, they get jammed up, they could not pay you, they could go to the hospital and you can't get your money. I mean, when you bet with a, a mortar company, I mean, you go, you get your money and that's it. No questions asked. I've never had that ability before. It's always been other ways. So yeah, it'll definitely change the way I'm, I'm betting. All right. All right sorry guys. I, I probably didn't uh, make that question clear. So what I'm saying is not so much how you physically make the bet, but knowing there's now going to be this influx of betters or let's assume there yeah. is. Is that going to change how lines move? And, no, and how, because no, um, you know, no, no, because the, the the lines that you have now, I think it's only going to make the public better, more frequent. You already know who sharp betters are. Most people they've been betting for years. You know who they are. This is there, there's not if you're a sharp better, this isn't going to make you. Oh, now I'm going to start betting. I mean, if you're betting, you're already betting. This is only going to make the public better and the public exposure more, more big. I don't think by this happening, are you going to get sharper betters coming along? These are going to be public betters that have no idea what they're doing. They're just getting into the business. This is all going to be a new money that I think is going to be able to help, you know, a guy that knows that's exactly, but that's exactly what I'm saying though. So do you think that, you know, fading the public or, or reverse line movement is going to come more into play fading now? The public because, is, you know, it's, that's not something that we've Blackjack and I've talked about. It's that. not a strategy. Not a, it's not a feasible way to I'm, bet unless you're betting no, no. NBA, NBA regular season or certain baseball. But I think you got to have a kind of a, you know, situation to situation, you know, do your typical capping, but you know, something looks weird. It looks weird. I mean, it's just that true. Truth to the matter, but and, and I think yeah, you're you, see you talk about you talk about like reverse line movement. I, I don't think it's really going to change it a hell of a lot because you have to realize something, man. I, people are under the impression that because this has been illegal, uh, you know, that the gambling hasn't been happening. It, it's still happening. I mean, right. you know, whether it's offshore, you know, the Vegas books adjust themselves based on what happens offshore as well. I mean, they, they're fully cognizant of all that, so. I think you're just going to bring more of that money out of the shadows and, and into the mainstream. So I don't think it's going to have a drastic effect on, on lines day to day. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, Hey, I really appreciate you guys' views on this. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, CP, thanks, well, you're from Canada or yeah, Canada. Yeah. Alberta. I'm, uh, how'd you, yeah, well, I how'd follow, you find the show, man? You're a new caller. I, I follow, yeah, I follow you on Twitter. I, I've never called in, but I see you, uh, I see you pop up from time to time. So, I'm actually doing a podcast next. Uh, I was going to do it this weekend, but I'm thinking next weekend with a panel of people asking this exact question. So I figured awesome. I'd jump the gun and uh, and see what you got. Awesome. Hey, good stuff, hey, CP. So, Thanks for the call, man. Don't be a stranger. Hey, you bet. All right, thank yep. you. Yep, see you. Okay. Thanks. Um, good stuff there. Good question. Uh, yeah, you know it'll be interesting, Blackjack. You know, you know, you know what's great about this happening too. You know. Obviously, we bet. We know what we're doing. Many of us, our colleagues, you know, a lot of people that we know, they bet as well, and they know what they're talking about. But I'll tell you what's really happened. There's a lot of people talking about this that have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I mean, anywhere, you know, local radio, ESPN. I mean, it's just horrible takes, horrible takes, horrible takes. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, anything from – you know, uh, we're going to get the bet on the NBA.com app to the, you know, this is going to kill yeah. degenerate gamblers. I mean, 
But what, yeah. what, what, what are these takes? You know what the reality well, is, Jeff? The reality is with most things that happen in the government, it's going to have very little impact on our day-to-day lives. It's going to change things a little bit. It's going to be more accessible. It'll be easier to get. But it's not going to really radically change things. It's just going to make it a little easier. It's kind of like, again, I keep comparing it to marijuana because it's a great comparison in my mind. If you were a marijuana smoker beforehand and your state legalized it, all it does is make it easier to get. That's it. It's not changing your life drastically. You're not going to have all of a sudden people that have no interest in marijuana come out of the woodwork and develop uh, you know, marijuana habits. It's not going to happen. It's the same thing with sports gambling. People who have an interest in it will dabble in it. People who are into it the way we are will utilize it more often than those. And the people that have no interest in it aren't going to touch it at all. So it, it's, it's not going to be this, this you know, seismic change in the landscape of gambling. It just isn't. And it's going to take years to unfold because nothing in American government happens quickly. Yeah, I think in, you know, in, in, all, in my little corner of the world and, and you know, others, I mean, well, it'll yeah, be really New Jersey cool. and Pennsylvania no. have already legalized it. So you're, you're in a spot where this is going to come to fruition very, very quickly. But if you're listening to us out in, you know, Texas or California or, you know, Nebraska, you got to wait on your hands because if it happens at all for you, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. No, you're totally right. Um, give us a call if you want to chat, 917-889-3290. Plenty of people out there. Don't be bashful. Call in. Uh, don't be a lurker. Just give us a call. Chat with us. Uh, you want to talk to Blackjack? He's here. The man, the myth, the legend. He's here. Blackjack Fletcher. Uh, he's on the telephone lines. Um, Blackjack, uh, NBA lottery um, happened uh, the other night. And I got to tell you, I think this class is very good. There's a lot of great players in this class. Uh, Suns get the number one pick. You know, you, you look at – and I'd be interested to hear your point because I think the NBA draft is always a carefully orchestrated ballet just like the NFL draft is. The problem is only 60 uh, – it's only 60 picks. You only get a couple. Uh, some teams only have one or two uh, in the entire draft. You yep. need to draft immediately. It's not, you know, sometimes, oh, we'll take a shot here. No, you have to draft for what you need. Uh, you look at the Suns team, okay? They're a bad team. They haven't been relevant since – you're the Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash days. They need a point guard. They need a center. They need a big. If it was my pick, personally, I would take Doncic. I think he's the best player in this draft. I think the most NBA ready. And I'm going to tell you right now, you look at what wins in the NBA, Blackjack, guard play wins in the NBA. Um, and yeah. you put Booker and Doncic together, are you ready to give up on Dragon Bender? And let's keep in mind, they do have the 16th pick. They can go out and get – a Robert Williams from Texas A&M. You can go out and get a quality big um, to, to take care of that. They could set themselves up pretty good. They're going to take Aiton, but if it was my pick, I would look dumb. You know, I, I, I don't. You know, I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion they're going to take Aiton yet. And the, the only reason I say that, Jeff, is you know, you go out and you hire Igor Kokoskov, and and you know, I. I I can't imagine that the conversation about Doncic wasn't had in that process. I mean, it had to have been, and he obviously must think highly of him. I mean, they, they, you know, he took the Slovenian national team to, to a Eurobasket title with Doncic. I, I kind of am with you. You know, I, I love DeAndre Ayton. I, I think he is probably 
the most NBA-ready player here. His body is just built for the NBA. I think he can be successful from day one. But if I'm the Phoenix Suns and I've got Devin Booker, who, you know, and, and a lot of casual NBA fans don't pay a lot of attention to the Phoenix Suns because they haven't been very good. Devin Booker is a legitimate star. I mean, he is going to be outstanding. He already is, but he needs talent around him. And now you have the chance to add Doncic with him. And if you do that, in my mind, your backcourt is set for the next seven or eight years. I mean, you're done. You don't have to worry about it. You mentioned Bender. You know, maybe he can turn into something if you have good guard play there. You know, they've got, uh, they've got good defenders. They've got Jackson on the wing that can defend. I'm leaning more and more your direction here and thinking that the play for Phoenix should be, should be Doncic. Yeah, I mean, Kokoskov is, uh, you know, a Serb. He did coach uh, Doncic. They have a relationship. Um, you look at really this selection, and you look at the Kings selection, who let's say he does go um, Aiton here, which that's not a bad pick either. Aiton is, you know, a guy that could be a transcendent big for years to come, and he is a guy that right away is going to help them because they don't have a center. Tyson Chandler's their starting center. Alex Lynn, those guys are not starters in this league. Uh, but you look at number two, and I, well, I think that makes sense because you look at Divac. Vadi Divac is a Serb. Doncic's yep. father's a Serb. Um, they have that cultural connection. I think Doncic, I, I really, and I mean this wholeheartedly, when I was a kid, my favorite player was Drazen Petrovic. Drazen was a, a, a Croat. He was, uh, you know, I'm from the Balkans. I just loved his game. I thought he was an amazing player. And I thought if he didn't pass away, he could have been one of the greats in the NBA uh, as far as history is concerned. Um, I think his game is very close to Drazen Petrovic. He reminds me a bit of Manu Ginobili as well. Sure. I think this, this Kings team could really make a nice pick here. The problem I have with the Kings is, I love Vladi, but he doesn't ever seem to make the right decision. I don't know how no, they can screw this up, but, you know. Well, I, you know, Jeff, I'm a little torn on the Kings with, with there. I mean, if, if Phoenix were to go eight and at one, obviously the, the Serbian connection is there between uh, Vladi Divac. They've got Peja Stojakovic in their front office now uh, sure. and Doncic. But if you take Doncic at two, how does De'Aaron Fox factor into that? Because you just took him number five a year ago. And I, mm-hmm. I still like De'Aaron Fox a lot. Like, I think De'Aaron Fox and DeAndre Ayton would be a great combination. Um, is, is, do you think there's any consideration to the Kings at number two if, if I mean, regardless of – well, I shouldn't say regardless. If Ayton goes number one, do you think the Kings consider Bagley at two? You know, that that's really something that I – thought of because you know you look at what you're hearing coming out about Doncic I don't think it's true I don't um I I just find it hard to believe that you know is can you pass up on Doncic I just don't know if you can but it's something I thought of I mean you know Willie Cully Stein's a nice player but listen Marvin Bagley's a great player and I'm going to tell you what you know who's really moving up the board to me um and I think a guy that it wouldn't surprise me if he went number three or number two uh Mo Bamba uh, Mo Bamba is a, a kid that you look at his defensive yeah. stature. Um, he is going to be one of the great defenders we've ever seen. You look at his wingspan, uh, he can, and he can guard He can guard guards. He can guard anybody. Um, he is an elite defensive listen, player. He's, I, I, he may well be, but I just think if you're picking at the top, you know, top five of an NBA draft, you've got to try to hit an absolute 
all-star out of the well, park. He's a, and he's Mo Bamba, a home run. Mo Bamba works for me, Jeff. I, I don't know, man. He reminds me a little bit of Nerlens Noel. I know he's longer. I know he plays better defense in college. But, I mean, I, I just I don't know if that guy's offensive game is ever going to get to to a really high level in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I guess you really have to look at your, your team and say to yourself, what do we want here? What do we do? We want a, a rim protector that averaged, you know, almost four blocks a game that can still give us something offensively, and his body's growing. He's six eleven, two twenty five. He's got a seven foot ten wingspan. That's among the biggest I've ever seen. He's basically a mix of Elijahwan and, and 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 you know, um, you know, uh, you know, a Gobert, that kind of player. I mean, he's he's a, a gigantic human being. He's one of the only bigs I've ever seen that can guard a guard. I mean, that's. Pretty amazing. Um, 13 points, 10 and a half rebounds. Wasn't awful. Uh, he was the main focal point though, of that offense. And a big concern that I have with him, he does foul out a lot. Uh, that was one thing he had major issues with at Texas. Listen, if it was me, I would go Doncic. But you're right. Begley is a guy that you know I would also consider there. You, you wonder, how high are they on De'Aaron Fox? If they're very high on De'Aaron Fox, um, then maybe they don't do that. But um, – I think it's got to be Doncic, just with the cultural connection and with, you know, everything that is, is kind of there. You also have Bogdan Bogdanovich on that team, who's Serb as well. Um, I, I think it's a move they'll make. Um, there's a lot of teams that have interesting selections. You know, what will the Magic do? They obviously need a point guard. Do you go Colin Sexton or do you go Trey Young? To me, Colin Sexton well, is the best point guard in this draft other than Doncic. Yeah, and, you know, Jeff, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about because we've got a number of interesting teams drafting early and we have a number of interesting prospects and obviously you're the uh, college basketball guru here so this is kind of right up your alley so I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about about what you what you thought about some of these teams and obviously I am uh, I'm a Knicks fan they pick at nine where do you have the Knicks going at number nine I I think they will take um, Mikael Bridges and if you're a Sixer fan that's not news you want to hear but I think that has to be the pick at number nine if he's there um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the big name in this draft, and I think could really kind of make sense of the 9th, 10th, 11 picks, and the picks kind of before that, where does Michael Porter go? Because if you ask yep. me, Black Chick, at the beginning of last season, who the best player in this entire class was in the country, I would have told you Michael Porter. And I think on the surface, if you say to me, who has the best potential out of any player in this draft? It's Michael Porter. I think on paper, Blackjack, he has the Kevin Durant ability. He could be that type of player. I think he's a transcendent kid. But he could also be a Joe Johnson and have a very good career, but never make it. He's got injury concerns. That's the only problem. But I think it's interesting you see where he goes. I think he could go to the Cavs. That would make a good fit there. I think they go Bridges. I think Bridges is the best defensive player other than Bamba in this draft. He offers you a great shooting presence. And if you know anything about the Knicks, this team shot, I think, 34% from three last year. They weren't good enough, um, or 35%. Uh, That's not good enough in the NBA. Uh, Mikael Bridges is a lightning rod of a player. I think he'd fit perfectly in that three spot there. Um, You you obviously are going to get Chris Shops, Porzingis back. You have Enos Cantor. That's a pretty good 3-4-5 there all of a sudden. Obviously, you have to look later in the draft. I think they have some picks that can go out. And this draft is pretty deep in the second round. You can go out and get some really good guards in this draft, uh, Blackjack. You look at you know the other picks that they have. 
Um, you can go out and make some moves here. You have a 37th pick. I could see a, a really nice guard there, maybe a Tony Carr out of Penn State, um, a Shake Milton out of SMU. Um, they, they're they're going to get better in this Do you year. think they there's any chance that Jalen Brunson's around at that pick? Uh, what pick, 37? Yeah. No, I have Brunson going uh, – I have him flying up the boards. I have him going 23rd to the Pacers. Uh, him oh. and DiVincenzo, I think – and these are the two most interesting picks of this draft because I think the combine will tell me a lot about those two because I made the case recently, if I was DiVincenzo, I would go back to school, honestly. I think he's a player of the year candidate next year. I think he could be the Mikael Bridges of next year's draft and get into that lottery, in my opinion. I think Brunson, though, is a kid that I think people are going to go to. He's got the character. He's got the four-year ability. He's a smart kid, good point guard. I think he's a better version of like a Raymond Felton type, um, a better shooter as well. Uh, I don't think Brunson will be there. Might be a good pick for them. I don't think he's going to be there. If they want Brunson, they're going to have to move up. Let me ask you, because another guy that I just personally would love to see play in Madison Square Garden is Colin Sexton. Uh, where do you see him going? Because Sexton, to me, is one of those guys who, you know, maybe he's got a little bit of uh, – maybe he's got a little more intangibles than than – athletic ability necessarily than some of the guys at the top of the draft. But I just feel like Colin Sexton is a guy that is, is made for New York. I mean, where do you see Colin Sexton going in this draft? Yeah, it's a good point you make. He, he does play tough. He, he's a really tough kid. I mean, he's one of those, he's a cold motherfucker on the court. That's what he is. He's a, he's a complete warrior, explosive. Um, he's a slasher. He's got to get better at some things, but he's, I think he's the best guard in this draft other than, um, Doncic. And I think it's interesting because off the court, he's very m- well-mannered, very well-spoken, um, smart kid, going to do a lot of good things for you. I think he goes number six to the Orlando Magic. Um, I think Trey Young will be the kid that will drop a little bit in this draft. Uh, I just think with him, it's, you know, do, do people look at him as kind of a, you know, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit of a fake, maybe, uh, kind of. You're kind of the the, the mm-hmm. knockoff Steph Curry, you know, um, sure. you're kind of a, a, a me guy, maybe late. Um, and I just don't know that there's a big need for guards in the first, you know, 10 to you know 11 picks here. I mean, you look at all these teams, there's major need for bigs and wing players, none of which Trey Young is. I think Sexton's the better overall point guard. And I think the Magic will see that. They'll take him. I think he'll go to the Clippers, frankly, Trey Young. And I think that'll work perfectly. Bit of a mockery out there. L.A. probably won't work for him character-wise, but um, that's where he'll go. I think Sexton goes number six to the Magic. If the Knicks want him, they're going to have to move up. Yeah, and the last one I kind of have, Jeff, is someone who I think flies under the radar to a lot of people, and and that's probably because of his uh, much more hyped teammate, but Wendell Carter. Uh, I think Wendell Carter was had an excellent season at Duke and could definitely be a, a high-quality big man in the NBA. Where, where do you think Wendell Carter winds up? Uh, I think he goes to the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls are in major need for a wing scorer. They could go Bridges uh, if they want. Um, that's a big concern. But I think the bigger need for this group is um, you, you need a big-time center. You need a, a power-forward center kind of player. Um, you know, Robin Lopez, guys like that, I'm just not doing it much anymore. Uh, hit for for uh, Wendell Carter, I mean, explosive, great shot blocker, very good around the basket, good hands, very efficient scorer. 
Um, you know, I'm not in love with him as a transition player, but he's a big. Uh, not they're not generally great in transition. I think if you add him with Markinen, that's a nice little four-five group there. Uh, Justin Holiday, you know, Justin Holiday's a nice player. Maybe they'll have a little bit more belief in him because he does have good bloodlines. I think they'll wait for a wing score and just go big here, just because I think um, Wendell Carter had such a good year at, at Duke. Um, I think that'd be a good fit for him. I like their guard play on the surface. Um, they have moves mm-hmm. they can make if a couple of picks. Um, but yeah, I, I think Wendell Carter, yeah. I should have them taking uh Blackjack. I have them taking DiVincenzo at 22nd. I think if they can get DiVincenzo that'd be great fit. and Wendell Carter, that would be a hell of a first round for the Bulls. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, they would add, add Carter and DiVincenzo to Markinen, Levine, uh, a nice year out of Chris, Chris Dunn. Dunn, a surprising year out of Chris Dunn before he got hurt. Uh, Bobby Portis, you know, the, that roster all of a sudden doesn't look so terrible. No, and that's that's really what, you know, and that's what's so great about having two picks in the first round. That's why the Suns, I think, they can improve as well. They just have to make a home run hit. I mean, I think, you know, you just look at how many teams need bigs. I mean, the Suns, the Hawks, the Grizzlies, the Mavs, um, the Mavs desperately need a big, and I think that's where – Muhammad Bamba will end up, but, um, you know, even, yeah. you know, even the bulls, they need a big, so it, there's a lot of bigs, just not a necessarily huge need for guards in the first, you know, 10 lottery picture. That's why I think young will fall a little bit. Um, yeah, but, I, I could see that. And that's why Michael, I think Jeff, you know, going back to the Suns, I, I, I think you kind of, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head about Doncic. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're going to hang in the West, if you're going to compete in the West, if you look at the teams that have success out there, the Warriors are obviously heavily guard dependent. You know, the Rockets have two, you know, a Hall of Famers playing playing the guard positions. Even teams like the Blazers have, you know, uh, Lillard and McCollum. The Jazz have Rubio and they have Mitchell. Y- you need to have that guard play, man. It has to be there. And Booker is, is so good. I just think if you added a kid like Doncic to him, it kind of opens the floor up and now – you know, it gives you an opportunity to, to really kind of flourish out in that Western Conference. I, you know, the more we talk about this, the more I think that that may that really should be the pick for Phoenix, whether they go that direction or not. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't think they will do that. I think they wind up taking eight, and just because, um, you know, I, they, they look they do have a need for that, and and I think if you put eight and Booker and Josh Jackson on the court, it's a pretty good group there. Um, they have a lot of picks in this draft, so they're definitely going to be able to make um, some moves. But, you know, it, it's cool because now, you know, you're, you're pre-combine or you're kind of in the middle of the combine. You're going to get kids that are going to say, you know what, um, I want to go back to school. Um, the DiVincenzo point is just interesting because, you know, he's only a sophomore. Um, he kind of left school as the big man on campus, let's say. He had a great tournament, uh, but – I think next year he's a player of the year candidate. I think he's an all American type of kid. Um, Villanova will be relevant. Um, he can go back there and be one of the best players in the country. Why can't he be a lottery pick next year? It's it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I don't think he will, but I, again, if you're going to leave, you want to be that top 15 player. I don't, I don't know that he is right now, especially with, with, with the kids in front of him, but uh, we'll see how his combine goes. He could shoot up. Um, there are a lot of kids that 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 are good in this draft. A lot of good players here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a very deep draft. Uh, so you know, we'll see what these teams do. But uh, it's it's kind of on you at this point if you swing and miss. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, let's uh, go back to the phone lines. If you want to call us, 917-889-3290. You've got about 30 minutes to go here. Uh, we'll see how the call outlooks go and, uh, and and what we're going to wrap it up. Uh, go ahead, caller. I... Um, let's um, black check. I, I do want to run some things by you here. Obviously, um, you know, we'll talk a little. Uh, you know, I think we already kind of talked Cavs and uh, and Celtics and kind of lean with the points there. Yeah. Um, interesting story here out of um, out of um, Alabama. Have you or well, not Alabama, San Francisco? Have you followed this uh, Ruben Foster thing, black check? Yeah, I've seen it uh, quite a bit today. Yeah, it seems like this this chick is just a complete, you know. Uh, do you believe her, or do you believe that maybe Foster said, "Look, you need to go in there and lie, or you're going to get what you got before," um, you know. You know, Jeff, or I kind of think this is stop. a situation where uh, these two maybe that and uh, let me let me preface my words very carefully here. Um, domestic violence, whenever it occurs, is never acceptable. Nobody ever deserves it. Nobody. It's never a, an appropriate response to any situation. Um, but these two may be perfect for each other because I don't believe either one of them. I think Ruben Foster is kind of a nutcase. If you look at his past and the things that have come out about him, I think Ruben Foster is a little bit of a loose cannon. I also think that there's a good chance that this girl is maybe just as crazy as he is. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know what to believe here. I think that both of them are kind of off kilter. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the NFL is going to do, but I, I, I think that they're both, I don't think either one of them is totally there in the head. I, and it's, it's interesting that I'm going to say this. I believe, I believe him. Honestly, I have a weird feeling that this chick is just one of these psychopaths that, you know, she wanted to be with them. She saw a way of money and fame and she could be the NFL players girl and, maybe get a kid with him and then get paid for life. Um, and he decided I'm not interested. She right, wants Jeff, to if that's the reason, no. then, then, then if that's the person she is, then she's not all of a sudden finding her conscience and deciding to tell the truth. Like that's, well, she, if that's the kind of person you are and that's what you're after. You're not coming out and saying, you know, I, I just couldn't allow this to go on. I had to do the right thing. That's not who you are. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe she, you know, she had a change. I don't know. Maybe they they leaned on her and said, "Look, you need to tell the truth there. I mean, this is fucked up. I mean, what you're doing is wrong. Um, you know, you're, you're going to ruin this guy's career. Um, you know, you also look at the fact she stole uh, two watches from him, money. Uh, I think you're you, you make a good point though. They they do seem like both these two are a little bit loose up the stairs. You know, um, I don't know. We all know how crazy you know people can be, whether they're men or women. Um, sure. I don't know if you saw that video. You saw that video going around Blackjack of that one woman that called that guy sixty-five thousand times or whatever it was. I mean, some women and yeah. men in this case yeah. are, are weird. There are people that are that are certainly off their rocker, man. But I just think that when you look at you know, Reuben Foster fell a, a little bit in the draft because of stuff like this. I mean, he's this isn't the first time this has come up with Reuben Foster, and I think that look, anyone can accuse anyone of anything. But when it comes up repeatedly, you kind of put a little stock in it, and that's just the way life is. It's how people are. It's human nature. And so I think there's probably an issue with Reuben Foster. Um, I also think that this girl, there's something wrong here, and I don't know what it is. I don't know whether she's just, 
you know, off her rocker. Or I don't know whether she got paid. I, I seriously doubt that it's as simple as, you know, Reuben Foster paying her off and her going on the stand and subjecting herself to perjury because that's probably not going to happen. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I don't know, man. It's a weird situation. It's a weird situation, and I kind of find myself just uh, very turned off by all of it. I, I find it all very distasteful. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, is it out of the question, though, to think that Foster said, hey, look, here's a million dollars. Shut the fuck up. Go tell the truth. I don't know. We'll I see. mean, I, you know, maybe, maybe. Uh, you, you never know. I mean, you, that's the thing is we don't know these people. Like, we don't. We don't know Reuben Foster. You know, he hasn't even been in the public eye all that long. We don't know Elisa Ennis at all. I don't know what she's about. I don't know where she's from. I know nothing about the woman. So I'm not going to sit here and portend to, you know, know what her motivations are because I have no idea. All I know is it's a messy situation. I'm sure the NFL is going to deal with him with somewhat of a heavy hand because that seems to be the trend these days. Um, But it's... It's a messy situation, man. Blackjack, I don't think I ever got your opinion on this whole uh, – did we talk about UCF and, and acting like national champions? No, you and I talked about that? No. <laughs> no. Well, obviously, it's still going on somehow. They're still talking about this. Um, yeah, and Nick Saban had enough of it. Stop. Yeah, he had enough of yeah. it. Uh, he said, uh, this is going to stop now. Um, what know, was your overall feeling on that, the UCF thing? You know, Jeff, I'm torn on it. I'm torn on it because – Pretty pathetic. I, you know, I, 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 the just, I look at it this way. Here, Jeff, here's how I look at this. And, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't think there's anything UCF could have done short of scheduling Alabama or Oklahoma in their preseason to make the playoff. And, and, and I don't think it's really fair to hold them to a different standard than everyone else. Look, they, they won every game in front of them, man. If the system we have says that if you win every game and you're in a a D1 conference and you still don't even have the opportunity to be a national title, a national champion, then what the hell are we doing? I mean, like, honestly, like, yeah, but Jeff, it's it's not that easy. I mean, look, there's a lot of money issues. There's a lot of financial issues for a lot of these schools. I mean, UCF football is not generating a tenth of the money that Alabama is. It's not that simple for them to just – you know, say, well, we want to go play in the ACC now. I mean, the bottom line is you got to, you, you, you have this conference and compare it to NCAA basketball. Okay. If UCF basketball wins every game in front of them, they go to the NCAA tournament and they have a chance to win a national title. We don't have that in football. And to be honest with you, there's no good reason why we don't. We do this bullshit where it's a four-team playoff, and we, we make these excuses that it's because, well, kids can't, kids can't miss time during finals. You know what? It's nonsense, all right? There is no good reason that that team should not have been in contention to win a national title. They did everything in front of them. So you know what? I don't have a huge problem with them doing what they did for their kids. They're celebrating their kids. They had a great season. They beat Auburn, who handed the national champion their only loss on the year. So it's not like they're just coming out of nowhere and saying, well, we won a bowl game against UTSA and we're claiming we're national champions. They have some sort of a claim to it. I'm not going to consider them a national title holder. I also understand Nick Saban's point. Nick Saban's point is, look, there's procedures in place. We followed them. We won. We're the national champion. 
if I were Nick Saban, I wouldn't address it, but that's just me. I just think it speaks to the fact that we need to have a different system. And, and I don't know why college athletics resist the obvious so often. It's clear what to do here, Jeff. Expand this to eight teams. Give each of your, your power five conferences. If you win a power five conference, you get a berth. If you're the highest ranked team in the group of five conferences, you get a berth and there's two wild cards. That way, instead of sitting there as a committee and deciding four spots, you're deciding two spots. That's your job. Pick two wild cards. It seems a hell of a lot simpler than this. And it takes away the gripe, man, because you know what? If you don't win your own conference, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. The opportunity was there. If you get left out because you thought you should have been the second wild card and you didn't get it, tough. You had the chance to win your conference and lock it up. I don't know why they resist what is so obviously there, and they'd make so much more money off of it. You add a few more games. You're totally right. I can't disagree. Uh, Blackjack, let's play a little game. I've came up with something here. We'll play a little game. We'll put you on the spot. Um, There's a caveat, though. You have to answer these questions in 30 seconds or less. Um, And I'm going to pick from um, some great articles over at the Action Network. Um, First one. Mark Teixeira came out and said, this is actually not one Action Network one, but this is just a question I had. Mark Teixeira came out and said that he's not surprised that Robinson Cano was busted for steroids. Um, Are you surprised? You know, that's, uh, I I don't know. I guess I'm not surprised by anybody these days. Um, It's hard for me to say that I'm shocked by anyone. I mean, once we went through that whole, like, you know, era where the Mitchell report came out, everything came out, and you had so many names on those lists. I don't know. I mean, Robinson Cano is the second baseman. He hits for a lot of power. He's done it for a long time. I guess if you want to connect the dots, they're there. I can't say that I saw this and I was shocked. I mean, I think there's very few players in baseball that I'd be shocked by. Robinson Cano is not one of them. So I, I guess I sort of agree with Mark Teixeira. I know what you're talking about. He sort of intimated that, like, he suspected this or he thought this was, you know, to be expected. And that surprises me a little bit that he would say that. This but to me sounds like, oh, hey, uh, they didn't catch me. So uh, I'll just say I thought it was Robinson. I, I have a feeling he was. I don't know. Um, I don't know whether Blackjack. he was or not. But, I mean, the, the quote he gave was, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to go into too much detail. I love Robbie, but I'm just not surprised. I don't want to go much further, but I think a lot of people are kind of saying the same thing. So I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I mean, it, maybe maybe this has been like an open secret in baseball with Robinson Cano. I don't know. It, it doesn't shock me, though. Uh, and this is an article straight from the Action Network. According to uh, various reports, Black Chicken, from him himself, uh, Meta World Peace claims that when he was at St. John's, he was propositioned uh, to fix games. Basically, he said that, in his neighborhood, he was playing, uh, and then someone came up to him and said, I have 35000 for you. I'm like, that's cool. I'll take 35000 They say, we need you to throw a game. That's what I'm like, you assholes. Yeah. But it crossed my mind. 35 to throw a game, not bad. But that's the problem. They find these kids that ain't got no money, and they attack them. Do you agree with – do you actually believe that this happened? Uh, Metal World Peace obviously is – does say some crazy things sometimes. Look, I, I'm – 
you know, it's easy to kind of think about. And I'm going to call him Ron Artest because I'm not going to meta world piece ridiculous. Um, when Ron Artest was at St. John's, he was a very, very high prospect. He was a, you know, a highly touted kid. I mean, it's easy for us to think of him now that he's changed his name to Meta World Peace and some of the antics he's had that he's, I think that the first thing that pops into your head is, well, this guy's a little crazy rather than he was a very, very talented basketball player. So does it shock me that someone offered him $35,000 to throw a game? No, it doesn't. I mean, you know, I, I don't know whether this was a serious offer. I don't know whether this is someone in his neighborhood that was like, hey, man, would you take thirty-five grand to throw the game? Like, I don't know how serious it is. I don't know. But, no, it doesn't shock me. I mean, you know, people talk about this with gambling all the time, Jeff, that, like, if we legalize gambling, we're going to have this integrity problem. No, we're not because professional athletes are making millions of dollars. Even the guys at the bottom of the roster are making substantial amounts of money that the money it would cost to throw a game is not going to, to affect them. But college athletes, it has always been the problem. That's always been the concern because these kids are not getting paid. And a lot of them come from backgrounds where they don't have a lot of money. And yeah, if you walk up to a kid and say, Hey, I can put 35 grand in your hand. If you make sure that the, the spread gets covered. Yeah. That's a temptation. So yeah, I, I do believe him. You got to ask though. I mean, why now? Why are you coming out now and telling us this? Um, Here's one for you, Blackjack. Uh, hard Knocks. The Browns will be on it this year. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited for this season. I want to see the Me shit too. show that is Me the too. Cleveland Browns. Uh, today it came out that Josh Gordon would be mentoring Antonio Callaway. That's like, uh, I mean, th- th- Blackjack, that would literally be like, yeah. um, th- that would literally be for me like, if you're a young at risk kid, we get the drug deal in the corner to start mentoring you. Doesn't seem like the Jeff. It would be like it would be like you and I spending the last ten minutes of this show counseling a young gambling addict who was trying to get off of gambling. <laughs> it would be totally disingenuous. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I want to give Josh Gordon the benefit of the doubt. I want to say that maybe he's turned his life around and maybe he's realized the errors of his ways, but it just seems a little too soon. Um, it seems a little too soon to have him mentoring young players maybe complete a full season in the nfl without a suspension before you do that um i agree with you i am interested to see the cleveland browns on hard knocks it's the first time in actually several years that i'm interested in hard knocks because i think it's grown a little stale over the last few years i've had no interest in seeing you know the bucks the the falcons the texans the dolphins i don't really care but this one i think is going to be good um And I'm going to tell you right now, Jeff, what I think the biggest takeaway is going to be. I think all of America is going to realize that Hugh Jackson is an idiot. Yeah, I agree. I actually want to shout out one of your cohorts over there, Evan Abrams, did a nice uh, article on this. Basically, he outlined that you you look at the teams that are featured on Hard Knocks, the 12 teams want to combine 18 and 29 in the preseason. 10 of the 12 teams finished with an ATS record of 500 or worse. None of the 12 teams that have been featured went undefeated ATS in the preseason. So in the preseason, they're total distraction. And I've actually, uh, Blackjack, this is actually something that I've used. This is a fade system for me. I actually, um, not this past year, but the year before, um, I faded the Rams like hell. And then this year, all the cameras are gone. And I used that. They had a new coach. They had a new kind of outlook. I was very high on them this year. This hard knocks 
can really screw you, and they can really be a distraction. I think this year it's only going to hurt the Cleveland Browns uh, as if they need any more hurting. Um, Blackjack, I actually have one of my on the show here. Um, I wanted to go over um, your uh, royal wedding bets. I wanted to take a look at these and yeah, kind of get your opinion because i got to tell you, um, I thought some of them were pretty well done, and, and i got to ask you, I mean, where the hell did you find out that <laughs> what did you watch the old royal weddings to find out what they I said? Did, after yeah, I, I, I went on YouTube and I found uh, Prince Charles's first and second weddings, and I found Prince cool. William's wedding, and I listened to their vows. And in all three of them, they responded, "I will, not I do." Uh, the brides, ironically, responded, "I do," but the men all said, "I will." And let when me you ask see you that at plus two thousand. That just seems silly not to take a flyer on. You know, it's interesting, Blackjack. I actually have a connection. My brother's actually getting married on Saturday as well. So um, it's kind of weird, but, yeah, they're on the same days. But um, I have to ask, I don't go to a lot of weddings, and I kind of forget. They always ask the girl first or the guy, like if you yeah, I do. The, the guy goes first. Uh, okay, they so ask the man that's first. Big. That's big because I have a feeling she'll say whatever he says. I don't, That would suck if she went first because then – she would probably say I do. Yeah. And, just and, and that's what's interesting is that the women went the other way in, in all three of those weddings. They all said, I do. But the men, Charles and William, both said, I will. And when you're looking at plus 2,000, man, you just got to roll those dice. I mean. No, sure. 20 to 1. Sure. I agree with you. Um, you obviously uh, did the what will he wear. Um, you said military uniform. I was wondering is – you remember when he dressed up as in like that Nazi gear? Wasn't that him? Hitler? Or yeah. his brother? Yes, it was. Yeah, and, was and Harry is a little bit of a wild card in this because he is kind of the bad boy of the royal family. Yeah, I mean, he is. There's nude photos of him out on the internet. He dressed up as Hitler for Halloween. Uh, he is a little bit of a wild card. I don't think that plays into the attire question because I think if you're a military person – you're going to wear your dress uniform at a wedding. I just think it's what it is, but it does play into the facial hair question for me, because I think that the, the common, uh, you know, theory and mine as well, I'm going to go with, he's not going to have facial hair because I just don't see it in a Royal wedding. But if there's one spot, he's going to kind of rebel. I could see him showing up with a beard. Good work. Um, You know, I've actually seen this guy before. He came to Seaside Heights one time. You believe that? I, I do believe that because, again, he's kind of – listen, he's got the best life of any of these people. He, like, walked in the boardwalk and stuff. Is weird. He has all of the trappings of royalty. I mean, he's a goddamn prince, right? I mean, he's got yeah. the world on a string, and he has all of the benefits, but he doesn't have the pressure or the scrutiny that comes with someone who's in line for the throne. Harry's never going to be king. I mean, it's, unless, God forbid, William and his whole family die in some tragic accident – Harry's not going to be king, so he kind of gets a little bit of a pass for the behavior he does. I mean, if William was the guy eight years ago with nude pictures in Vegas, it would have been ten times the story it was for Harry. So, yeah, Harry can kind of just float about and do what he wants. Interesting um, thing here with the wedding dress. You know, Blackjack, uh, this actually is another related one to me. I – um. You remember when Caitlyn Jenner got the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs? Yeah. Well, back then I had a, a small podcast, and I was down the shore at the time, and I had my mother on the air live. She gave her pick for what dress color Caitlyn would wear, and she actually 
hit white at, I think, 5-1, to one, and it was actually quite memorable. Um, my question for you is, did you ask a woman this question, or did you do this research? No, this is all on me. Um, I, I took this upon myself. I dove deep into the Royals, Jeff. And uh, <clears throat> as far as the designer of the dress, I can tell you there's a lot of speculation out there. Um, I actually did talk to – well, I, I got feedback from one of my editor's wife, wives at the Action Network, and they, they disagree with me. But I feel confident enough in that pick of Ralph and Russo. Uh, it is, it's been rumored in many a British tabloid. And, Jeff, if you can't trust a British tabloid, I don't know what world we live in. I mean, you know, the, no. the Sun and the Daily yeah. Mail are, are reputable, reputable <laughs> sources. And, They're actually uh, not. They're horrible. I, I, that's, that's why I'm laughing. No, um, no, no, but, no, no I, I have seen that, that she is uh, a fan of Ralph and Russo dresses, and it, uh, it is one of the favorites at plus 120, so I, I, I went with that. Now, I'll tell you a bet that I'm definitely betting. I really like this play by you. Um, I've actually read in several different uh, uh, publications that they asked Harry, Ed Sheeran to sing at their wedding. Um, yeah, reportedly, um, I think is, it's this a is def- that I think is is probably one of the better bets on the board um, because Great. if you if you look at the uh, bet for celebrities to attend the wedding, you can cover I mean any number of celebrities. Obviously, look, Elton John's going to be there, but he's at one to five. You're not going to bet that. You know, you can bet Piers Morgan, Simon Cowell. You can bet Barack Obama. You can bet any number of people. But for my money. You know, they televise the wedding, obviously. They don't televise the reception. Ed Sheeran is he, – he checks all the boxes. He's British. He's popular. Well, let me ask you quickly, Blackie. Do they have to be shown on TV or – No, no. They just have okay. to attend. Attend. So – and that's why I think that, Sheeran, Well, it'll be, it'll be widely reported. I mean it'll, okay. it'll be out there. If he sings at the wedding, it'll be there. Um, But I I think he will be at the ceremony because I I think that Ed Sheeran is one of those people that, like I said, he checks every box. He's British. He's popular over there. He's popular amongst Americans, so she probably likes him as well. Um, I don't have him singing their first dance, the the wedding song, but I do think he's kind of a dark horse for it because he has two songs, let's be honest, that are perfect for it in perfect and uh, thinking out loud. So I, I think that Ed Sheeran definitely finds his way into this wedding, and that's at plus six hundred. So uh, at six to one odds, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be pretty comfortable that Ed Sheeran's there. Now, where did you get these bets? What book are they on? Do you know? Uh, Bet DSI. Okay, I got to get I got to get on there because I got to get on I got to get on that one. Um, a lot of books have. Them. I mean, Bovada's got them. Bet DSI, my bookie. I mean, almost any offshore has okay. some props on the royal wedding. Yeah, I looked at five of them. They didn't have it. But uh, real quick, Black Chief, let me take two calls here. A couple of them waiting. Uh, go ahead, caller. I my name. Twenty-two minutes. That guy waited. He waited about twenty minutes. His first call. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're up. My man. And you're gone. Uh, uh, you got a couple other ones here, Blackjack. Um, the uh, first dance uh, song. Uh, you picked uh, Elton John to do this, and I, I think it's a great uh, pick by you. Uh, he obviously is, uh, you know, very connected to uh, the family. 
uh, his own mother. Um, I, listen, yeah, I got a feeling Ed Sheeran's of- going to be this. Yeah, but you know, I kind of looked at Elton John like if you're going to have Elton John perform at at a royal wedding, he's not going to be anything but the main event. Um, and he obviously does have close ties with their mother uh, Diana, and he was knighted by Queen Elizabeth, uh, so you know there is that as well. Uh, he is kind of a British icon, and and the, the English tend to keep things in house, so. Yeah, I, I thought Elton John at those odds was a was a pretty solid bet. Like you didn't pick Cardi B or anything here. She wasn't your pick. No, but I'll tell you, Jeff, the favorite is Whitney Houston, and, and I can only She's attribute dead. that to maybe Meghan Markle loves Whitney Houston. But I, I'm sorry, I just, you know, these these people tend to look at these weddings like they look at their own weddings, and it's like, oh, well, you know, the bride gets what she wants, and and okay, kind of like so- that. And that's not. Not how it goes over there. Like it's a royal wedding. It's about the Brits. It's about England. So let me get this straight. So it the bet is what song will be played, not who sings the song. Correct. It will be who okay. who the author of the song. I was gonna say. I mean, Whitney Houston's dead. How could she sing it? Are um, <laughs> uh, you have Kate up uh, Kate Middleton's hat? Uh, so I guess you're choosing on the Queen. Queen's okay, the queen. Yeah, I, you can I, also uh, bet on Kate uh, Middleton, who's uh, Prince okay. Williams. Um, what do you have here? Uh, the queen, uh, she wore yellow to William's wedding. She most frequently wears shades of blue. Uh, the favorite is actually green. Um, but an interesting note about the queen's outfits is she wears these. Uh, she wears a solid color more often than not, and she generally wears vibrant colors so that she is easily noticed in a crowd. That's that's not me making that up. That's actual uh, research talking. So um, I went a little bit off the board, and I went with purple. Uh, she has shown an affinity for purple uh, at big occasions lately. For her jubilee, she wore purple. Um, I, I don't think she's going to wear the same color she wore to William's wedding, and I don't think she's going to wear the color she wears most often in blue. So I think that takes yellow and blue off the board, and I just think the queen looks really nice in purple, so I went with purple. Riveting work, Blackjack. Uh, I do have to say uh, I do like your uh, Ed Sheeran pick that he will be in attendance. Uh, that is one I'm going to get on. I do have a question, Blackjack, for a, le- a legal question, actually, uh, just just curious. Um, this is obviously uh, much uh, different than what we we're just talking about, but I don't know if you remember, and I, maybe you didn't hear about this story. It was a big story in Philadelphia. It's a big national story uh, about the kid that basically lured those kids to his house and killed them and like buried them alive. Did you hear about you heard about that? No, no, I didn't. It was a big story in, in, in Philly. Basically, this kid he was a drug dealer. He basically lured these kids to his house, and him and his cousin reportedly killed them and then buried them and they were like missing for like a week and no one could find them then they found out that this random kid did it and on his parents property so this week he basically admitted guilt um and got four life sentences for what he did now his cousin was going to plead guilty and at the last minute said i'm not going to plead guilty i want to have a trial now he has the now he could get the death penalty. Why on earth would he do that? It's a great question. It, I'm know, reading the article right now. It's about uh, Cosmo DiNardo. It, it's, uh, it's honestly, Blachek, I've, I've, I've read this story since it happened. I, I seem like I know everything. I will say after the show, 
listen to the tape of this kid. It is one of the most chilling, sick stories I've ever heard. He's yeah, it so sounds god awful. Yeah, he's so I mean, I'm, I'm reading it now, and it's uh, it, it's yeah, like. I mean, it, Cosmo DiNardo is the name of the guy who was kind of the, the yeah. leader here. Uh, and it said that he confessed to murdering four young men in Pennsylvania, killed each one of them separately, and then burned their bodies at his family's farm after selling them some marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. They describe him as a paranoid drug dealer who felt cheated or threatened by the victims. This is, but in uh, certain cases, Patrick, he didn't even like he, they didn't even he just killed them like for no offset reason like yeah. he just murdered them. Yeah, but the cousin, the cousin claims that you know he was scared of Donardo and that's why he did it. Why would he change his yeah. plea though? Like that, I mean, look, that that's not going to work. I mean, listen, the only thing you can claim there is uh, duress as a defense. A legal defense is duress. And basically, but by you would admitting have to his guilt, though, when they just use that and just screw, you know he's done. Well, they're not going to be able to because what he's going to do is he's going to withdraw his plea. Um, but it, it, you know, I, you know, Jeff, it, it's it's the weirdest thing. Some sometimes people this happens both ways in criminal justice. I mean, you'll have people that that want to take pleas and in the last minute that you know when they're staring down the barrel of a sentence. They get cold feet and they decide that you know they want to roll the dice. And you see it the other way too. You have guys who say. You know, I want to go to trial. I want to go to trial. And then all of a sudden, you know, jurors start walking in the door and they say, hell no, I'm not doing this. I, I think it's just the guy probably was staring down the barrel of a life sentence and said, hell, I might as well roll the dice on this. I don't know. I mean, you listen to this quote, Blackjack. Um, after, I guess, the kid was supposed to give him $8,000. He only handed him 800 He then killed the kid, put him in the hole, then burned the money. Because I didn't want the kids eight hundred bucks. I didn't kill him over eight hundred. I wasn't robbing him. So he basically said, "I'm just going to kill this kid just because I can," and that's that. Listen, I'm telling you that the audio is some chilling shit, man. Like it's really like I've researched some really bad criminals. This guy, this kid is takes the cake. Uh, it's, you know, it's really, a which, Jeff. I don't know if you've uh, have you caught the new show on Netflix, Evil Genius. I've heard about this. No, I haven't. I have to check this out. Very, very interesting. It actually takes place kind of in your neck of the woods in Erie, Pennsylvania. Back in 03, I don't know if you remember, there was a pizza man who robbed a bank with a bomb around his neck. Hmm. And um, yeah, he he went into a bank with a note and he had a a collar bomb strapped around his neck. And the story is basically trying to figure out whether or not he was in on this. And if he wasn't, who was and, and what you know how this came to be and i'll tell you unlike a lot of things we see nowadays in podcasts and tv specials this one has a resolution to it and it's it's fascinating it's only four episodes but it is well worth it yeah i gotta check that out this is this story is is just completely sickening uh but um yeah i gotta check that out for sure uh i hate that on that note so we'll end on a good note Everyone have a great weekend. I hope you enjoy the Royal Wedding. Plenty of great bets to be made um, out there. So uh, go to Blackjack Fletcher's article at the Action Network. Very good. Very well done. Uh, those are the kind of articles that live. – Right? That's great stuff. I don't – I never came across as you doing that sort of thing. And it kind of seems like something I would do, frankly, um, just because I do read all those In Touch magazines and stuff. Very good handicapping tips a lot of the time because most of them are married to, like, celebrities – um, so you can find out good stuff that you might not know. But uh, Blackjack, the time has come for us to ride off into the sunset. 
of a Thursday evening. Uh, we will be back Monday, uh, Blackjack and I, as we look towards another week. Uh, we'll be talking, obviously, more NBA draft. As that comes across uh, soon, uh, we'll have plenty of uh, NBA coverage with the Western and East Conference Finals. And we might just have a game uh, five or whatever it would be, close the series out, Blackjack, uh, with Vegas. So we'll see what happens. So. Uh, everyone have Hope a nice so. weekend. Enjoy the Royal Wedding. Uh, and thanks for all the calls tonight to people that did call in. Uh, Blackjack, you can find him on the Action Network and at Blackjack Fletch on Twitter. You can find me at SBR every day and on uh, Twitter at Jeff Nadu. Everyone have a great night. We'll see you Monday on Viva La Vegas. How I wish that there were more than the 24 hours in the day. Even if there were 40 more, I wouldn't sleep a minute away. Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel. A fortune won and lost on every deal. All you need is strong heart and a new steel. Viva!